We're going to continue our series, Saving Heroes. And I see that some of you have already geeked out this morning and have on the shirt of our hero. So Larry Knotts um, has on Shazam's shirt. Today we're talking about Shazam. And as always, has happened every week. Um, Shazam is here. Shazam, come on out. So Shazam is here. <laughs> and you may not know this, but Shazam is actually an acronym. Shazam stands for the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury. Shazam is actually an acronym. Now, Shazam has all of these wonderful abilities. In fact, almost in every way, he's Superman's equal. Uh, can fly, super speed, bulletproof, uh, all of these things that uh, pretty much a Superman can do, Shazam can do. He doesn't have the laser eyes, but for the most part, and if I'm going to just geek out just for a minute, if Superman and Shazam ever went to head-to-head, Shazam would win. And if you remember from our Superman sermon, you would know why, because Shazam is powered by magic, and that is a weakness of Superman. So if you ever want to bring Superman to his knees, pull a quarter out from behind his ear, and he'll go, um, in addition to, so this is Shazam. Shazam, thank you for being here today. If you want to go with the kids and just go on down, thank you very much. But Shazam, if you don't know much about Shazam, Shazam is not an adult superhero. Shazam is actually a 14-year-old boy that when he yells Shazam, he turns into an adult hero. 14-year-old boy. Now just imagine how many of you have been around 14-year-old boys and you give them all of that ability, right? Are they, are they really going to be like super mature with it? Probably not, right? They're going to act like 14-year-old boy in a male, adult male body doing goofy, stupid stuff, right? And the, the lack of maturity is going to be evident in that. And so even though he has all of the ability, basically all of the same abilities as Superman, he lacks the maturity. He is, for our point of emphasis today, he is the adult they just won't grow up. Now, look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you. All right? He's not, I'm not talking about you because we all know that we're all just, you know, we all love adulting in this room and we're all big adults. But in the movie, there's a scene where he takes his abilities and he basically just kind of uses him for his own pleasure and for his own good. So let's, let's take a look at this adult superhero who lacks immaturity. Go ahead and play that video. All right. The lightning with my hands, right? Look at me. And you notice in front of me he's got a guitar case and people popping coins, watching him shoot lightning with his hands, and they're paying him money like some side street show, Right? He has all of these abilities, but his maturity stops him. And even at one point, when he's trying to discover what all he can do, 
he starts to begin to realize that, wait a minute, I can fly? Yet, he's afraid of it. Takes off running, he jumps up in the air, and he kind of suspends in the air for a little bit, and then he falls to the ground, and he's like, I'm not sure I want to do this. And I'm here to tell you this, that there are people all around us with God-given talents and abilities and skills, but they will never use them because they're too afraid to fly. What if I fail? What if I can't make it? What if I don't do it? What if I don't say the right words? What if I can't? And so they live a life that is stifled. They live a life that's never good enough. There's nothing worse than a person who knows they have the ability to do something, but they won't step up to the plate and do it. There's nothing worse for a coach than to see somebody who's got so much skill, it's ridiculous, but outside of the field or the court, they lack the maturity, and so they have to sit them on the bench because it's frustrating, because they lack the maturity, even though they have all the skill and all of the ability. Well, Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often dubbed the love chapter, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, uh, 1 through 3, I'm sorry, we're not going to read the first three chapters, but basically he says, listen, I can have all of these spiritual gifts, but if I don't have love, what good is it? If I have all of these great gifts and abilities, but I don't love people, what good is it? And he goes on down in the chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 11, it says this, as he's wrapping up this chapter. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Paul's saying these spiritual gifts that were given as we follow Christ, the, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, the gift of knowledge, um, and so on, the gift of discernment. He says there's coming a day when we won't need those gifts anymore. And what he's referencing when he says the day of completeness is he's referencing when we're in heaven. When we're in heaven, there is no more need for tongues. When we are in heaven, there's no more need for prophecy. When we are complete, and he even says later in verse 13, he says when we see him, there's no more need for these gifts because we're complete. And he addresses a church in Corinth that's got serious maturity problems. Serious maturity problems. I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to go over the surface of it with you. But in the same book, in 1 Corinthians, he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, talking about the theology and the study of God and the understanding of God, he writes to the church at Corinth and he says, I gave you milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. He's like, you haven't even grown up spiritually. You haven't even matured spiritually. He says, you, you have all of these gifts operating in your church, 
but you're spiritually immature because you can't love. You can't grow. The writer of Hebrews even writes in Hebrews chapter 5, and he goes, I want, and I'm Tyson's paraphrase, I want to give you steak and potatoes, but as it is, you're still on the bottle. I want to come to you and start talking about the deeper things of Christ. I want to dig deep into Scripture with you, but I can't because you're still, you're still feeding on milk. And so Paul tells the church at Corinth, he's like, I don't care how much power you have. I don't care how much of these heavenly gifts and, and these heavenly attributes you can, you can walk around with. I, I don't care about that because you can't even love each other. What good does it do? What good does it do to have all this power and all this ability, but if you won't grow up in love and grow up in your faith, what, what good is that? Right? And so what's happening at the Church of Corinth? Well, we know that 1 first, first Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are technically, technically, follow with me, 1 Corinthians is actually 2 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians is actually 3 Corinthians, because Paul, we know Paul wrote three letters to the church at Corinth. The first one we, the first one we can't find. We, we don't know that it exists. And so we have 1 and 2 Corinthians, but there should be a prequel to the first. But he goes, I've been writing to you. I've been trying to get you to grow up. I've been trying to get you to mature. You won't do it. Well, what's happening? Well, when you study the church at Corinth, in the city of Corinth, there was a Greek goddess who was worshipped. Her name was Aphrodite. She was the goddess of pleasure, of sensual pleasure. She was the goddess of, of physical love. And so one of the ways that you worshipped Aphrodite was you'd go to her temple, and if you had sinned or offended Aphrodite, you would become physically intimate with a priest or priestess of your choice, and then your sins were forgiven. It was Aphrodite worship. And you have a city where this is rampant. This is how this is, Aphrodite is their god. And so they run rampant with the physical intimacy in the city. Well, Paul comes and he begins to win people to Christ. But like anybody who comes to Christ, you still drag some of the old self with you. And so he addresses it. He addresses it. And so we know that what's happening in the church of Corinth is they're bragging about all of their power and all their spiritual gifts and their lightning from their hands, right? But they're still operating under the old religion, the old way of doing things. And Paul goes, cut it out. If you're married, that's your spouse. And he, that's why he addresses marriage issues in the letters to the Corinthians. It's why he, he, he addresses not only marriage, but, but love and the grace of God. He's like, guys, th this isn't appropriate. You know, in, in one part, some people want to point out where he says that women should sit down in the church. He goes, I don't allow women to speak in church, and they need to stay seated and not speak. Well, guess what? He wrote it to the church at Corinth who was dealing with priestesses and some theologians and scholars even go as far as to say is that it was the pastor's wife who was spreading the worship of Aphrodite in the church. And so Paul writes and says, I need all women. I don't know. All you priestesses, all you women need to sit down until I can get there and not speak. Because this is out of hand. This is not okay. And this is not the way God designed it. And Paul simply says, you guys are whack. Can I say that? 
I just showed my age, didn't I? Because all the junior high kids were like, what? Right? You can't. Paul's like, you guys are so immature. Your faith is immature. Your love is immature to think that you can go around and do this and still worship God. This isn't okay. So he writes first and second Corinthians. He goes, I want to come to you and I want to put steak and potatoes on your plate, but you're still following fleshly, lustly desires. It's, it's time to grow up. And so he tells him, you need to walk in love. Now, we will never fully mature in this life because we have these selfish desires, right? We are all inherently at some level selfish. That is the sin nature. That is the flesh that operates in us to be selfish. Well, I want this, and I, and I want that, and I want to be able to do this but still have this. Sorry, girlfriend. It doesn't, life doesn't work that way. You know, it's, it's one way or the other. And so, kind of like Shazam, we all have these selfish tendencies and these, these selfish desires. And Paul points out, he goes, when I was a child, he begins to point out the difference between being a child and being an adult. And he says, guys, when I was a child, I wanted to have my cake and eat it too. I wanted to stay up all night playing Fortnite and then I wanted to be able to wake up in the morning and then go outside and play and have cake and ice cream for breakfast. And I just wanted it all. Paul goes, but the childhood is over. I realize that I can't live that way. Unfortunately, though, we have adults running around that, yes, play Fortnite all night and then get up and try to go to work in the morning. <laughs> you think, I'm kidding. I'm not. Right? Paul says, when I was a child... I wanted everything all the time, and I wanted whatever pleased me, whatever would make me happy, that's what I wanted. Paul goes, but I've grown up, and I've matured. But we all know adults, don't we? I mean, probably even as I'm talking about this, you're thinking about a coworker, a neighbor, somebody that just wants to have their cake and eat it too, they want to shirk responsibilities. It was never their fault. And they just constantly move around all the time to whoever will listen to them. And they don't ever sit still long enough to actually be committed. Because as we talked about several weeks ago, commitment breeds maturity and responsibility. But because you said something I don't like, I'm going to go on and go someplace else. And so I'm never really going to mature. Because as Paul writes Timothy, he says that in the last days, men will have itching ears. And they will just run to whoever will scratch their ear. They won't stay committed to anything. It's what Paul tells Timothy in the last days, that people will become lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And so Paul begins to say, listen, when I was a child, I thought I acted like a child. Now that I'm an adult, I've had to put that behind me. Now some might argue that, well, Paul is contradicting Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus says you can't get into heaven unless you have the, a faith like a child. So which is it? Is it Jesus or is it Paul? Well, there's really honestly no competition. It's Jesus, right? But what are they referencing? Well, Jesus is saying your faith, your faith has to be like that of a child. You have to be willing to believe even when it doesn't make sense, even when you don't understand it, right? I mean, really, I mean, children have lots of faith. I mean, if you can convince a child that a bunny lays eggs, right? I don't see any kids in here. Or that a 
pound man can like fit down a brick chimney with fire going? I mean, it's called faith. That had, that's faith. That's like, I don't understand this. I don't know how this works, but I know it works. And so I, I, I believe it, right? Jesus says you have to have faith like a child. But Paul says that when you come to Christ in faith, at some point you have to start growing up. Too many Christians come to Christ and go, I'm saved, I believe in Jesus, I got my cards, I got my ticket stamped, I'm good to go. No. Over and over in scripture, it's grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up. Why do I want you to grow up? Because I want you to be impactful for the kingdom. Which adult's more impactful? The adult, the adult that's, let me give you a business world example. Which adult's more impactful? The adult that's working their butt off to climb the corporate ladder and they get more responsibility and more notoriety and having an impact? Or the adult that just wants to sit at an entry-level job and never better themselves on the job? Which has more impact? The guy who's willing to take more responsibility because responsibility eventually will equal power. An influence. And so Paul writes, he says, guys, Jesus didn't come just to punch your ticket. He came so that you would grow spiritually and begin to have spiritual responsibility and and influence in the world for the kingdom of heaven. That's, That's what this thing is about. So Paul goes on and he says, point number two, he says, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. Right? So he says, listen, <laughs> even my thought life, and, and Romans, Romans says that we should renew our mind. That when we come to Christ, we come to Christ and our spirit is saved and we're going to heaven. But the book of Romans, Paul writes to the church at Rome, and he goes, but you have to renew this thing. Why? Because this thing was trained for years in how to think like the world, act like the world, respond like the world. And now you're going to have to retrain this thing to act like the Holy Spirit would have you to act, to act like the kingdom of God in the world. That's why the Bible says that we who follow Christ, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Does that make sense? I'm in it, but I'm not of it. Right? So bass fishing tourney is about ready to start. And if my son is fishing on the bass boat and he falls over, God forbid, into the water, he's in the lake but he's not of the lake. He doesn't have gills and scales, although sometimes I question that because I nicknamed him Aquaman because I'm like, dude, you know. But he's in the lake, but he's not of the lake. The Bible says you're in this world, but you're not of this world. That God's at some point going to reach down and just pull you out of this world and say, nah, it's time. Get out of there, right? And so Paul says, I used to think like that. I used to talk like that. I used to act like that. And here's the thing that children always want to pursue what makes them happy right now. Do you know one of the signs of maturity? Now, I, please, I don't mean to, I'm probably stepping all over toes. I've probably broken some toes this morning, but hear me out. One of the signs of maturity, two words, delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Children want it right now. Adults can say, you know what? I'll save up the money before I buy it. Or I will wait. Delayed gratification is a sign of maturity. Right? And so Paul says, 
you have to begin to grow. He tells the church at Corinth, he goes, guys, I don't care how many lightning bolts you can shoot out of your hands and how fast you can run and how high you can fly and how high you can jump. If you've been given all these gifts and all these abilities, but you're not loving people with them, what's the point? What's the point? Grow up. And yet we all know people that don't want to grow up. Whether it be spiritually or people outside of the church. No, I'm just not ready to grow up spiritually. That's essentially what they're saying. They're saying, they're saying, well, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I'm going to go where I want to go and say what I want to say. And I'm just not ready spiritually to grow up. Now, Paul says, one or the other, guys, you can't, you can't, you can't be doing both. Paul says it's, he says it's time to grow up. So what does spiritual maturity look like? Well, spiritual maturity says, I love Paul's words, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. You model your life as to the best of your ability after me because I'm chasing Christ. So what's Paul doing? Well, Paul's sharing his faith. Paul's praying. Paul's reading scripture. He's growing. He, he's digesting. You become what you digest. You eat a bunch of junk food, your body will feel like junk. The same is true spiritually. You eat on the word of God, chew on the word of God. Even if you don't understand what you're reading, just pull back and just kind of begin to think about it just a little bit. Like, what did he say? What did he mean by that? Just think about it on your drive to work or on your drive home from work. Begin to meditate and to chew on it. You'll find yourself renewing your mind and growing spiritually. Right? Here's how you know you've become a spiritual adult. When you have to set out to make a decision, say, on the job or at your home or in, parent, in parenting, and you've digested this so much that as, Matthew, that as Jesus says in the book of Matthew, the Holy Spirit brings a Bible verse back to your remembrance. Oh, yeah. Okay, God, give me the power and the strength to go the direction you want me to go, not that direction. How many of us throughout the day, you don't have to raise your hand, have Bible verses that pop back into our brain and go, okay, based on that verse, I need to do this. And you allow the Bible to direct your life, not, well, my grandma always said, I mean, I love my grandma. I mean, I honestly do. But sometimes, grandma, you ain't right. <laughs> In more ways than one. But anyway, right? I mean, everything has to line up to this. It's, it's spiritual maturity. You know, when I was a kid, I got this thing called NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, if you're older, You'll just have to struggle along. And if you're younger, I'm dating myself. And I got this game called Tecmo Bowl. Anybody? Anybody? Tecmo Bowl? All right. Got a few of you. Okay. Tecmo Bowl. Who was the one player everybody wanted in Tecmo Bowl? Huh? Bo Jackson. If you ran a sweep, to the bottom of the screen with Bo Jackson. I don't know if there was a glitch in the game or what. Every single time it was a touchdown. It was like, 
only other way to keep up with that was to get the 49ers with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, because Jerry Rice would just catch everything, never drop it. So you, and I was like, oh, and every time I'd sit down to play, my friend would get the Raiders, and I'd be like, oh, there's only one way to stop it. Can't be the Bears, so I guess I'll have to be the Niners. Got to keep up. So, you know, and I'd throw it, and then he'd run it, and I'd throw it, and we just rack up the score, you know, and then, and then NES went out, and, and Sega Genesis came in, and then it was Joe Montana, Sports Talk Football. It's beginning to rain, right? It's raining heavy now. It's like, but it was like the coolest thing, so much better than NES, right? And then our minds were blown. Madden came out, and it completely revolutionized video game football, right? And now, like, people still line up. Do people still line up to buy that game when it comes out? I'm seeing some heads shake yes. Wow, right? Like, it's still out there. But guess what I'm not doing anymore? I'm not waiting in line to buy it anymore. I, I don't, it doesn't really consume me anymore. I don't sit up all night with my buddy and look at my watch and go, are those birds? <laughs> like, are those birds? Yeah, Tyson, uh, there's light cracking in the horizon. Oh, I gotta be, I gotta be up at Ball State. I gotta be at class in like two hours. We've been up all night. So I go to a, my astronomy class and put a hat on and sit at the top because there's like 100 of us in there, and I just put the hat down and sleep through astronomy, right? Some of you would probably sleep through astronomy even if you had a whole night's sleep anyway. But the point is I have to at some point say I don't live for this anymore. I don't want this in my life anymore. Oh, I enjoy playing. Believe me, I played yesterday. Right? I had some time to kill, so I played. But I, I'm just here to tell you that it doesn't consume me anymore. This consumes me. This consumes me. And so my question to you is, what is your Madden? What is your Madden? All of us have a Madden in this room. All of us. Some, of, some things might be more lethal. It might be a drug. It might be a relationship. It might be something that's keeping you from maturing. So what do we do? Math, our last verse out of the Message Bible, Matthew 6, verse 33. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you? Do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Let that sink in. He says, Paul says, listen, don't be so preoccupied with getting that you don't recognize God has given. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. He goes, stop being so concerned about getting yours and getting and getting and getting that you miss God providing for you. 
He goes, don't be concerned about the getting. God will provide it. He goes, the vast majority of flowers on this planet will never be seen by human eyes, and yet God cares for them and set up a system for them to be cared for. How much more will he take pride in you and care for you? But someone who's spiritually immature and, and the adult that doesn't want to grow up, they're focused on getting. They're focused on having a good time. I've got to have a good time. I've got to enjoy myself. I have to, I have to chase happiness. And I, I, have to, I have to do all this stuff now, right now. And here's what I want to tell. And as we talk about saving heroes, how do I share, in closing, how do I share the gospel message with an adult that doesn't want to grow up? I simply say this, you don't have to have it all. In fact, if you have it all and don't have Jesus, you have nothing. If you have Jesus and have nothing else, you have it all. That's the bottom line. Because when you have Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus even said, when you have Jesus, your needs will be met. You don't have to focus on getting and using your powers to get what you want and satisfy yourself right now. You can use your powers to benefit other people and to bless other people because you know God's going to provide for you. In the movie, in, in closing, as we wrap this up, there's a point in the movie where Shazam has to come face to face with the seven deadly sins. Where he has to throw down with the seven deadly sins that are trying to wreak havoc and destroy humanity. And so he has to face pride, lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, anger, envy. He has to face them. And when he has to face what the Bible calls the seven deadly sins, he's forced to grow up. And all of us at some point in our life have to face our own sin and grow up and say, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep living like I'm living because I have too much God-given ability and God-given talent to waste it on this planet. God wants me to use it for his kingdom, which will matter for eternity, not just for my momentary pleasure. And so I want to encourage you this morning that if you're, if you're here, and go ahead and stand up. If you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus, and you've never taken the step to say, I'm ready to be, as the scripture says, born again, to give my life over to Jesus and begin the spiritual growth process, I want to invite you to come forward. And if I can get Aaron Lori to come down here and... Lynn and Jesse to come down here. We want to pray with you. We want you to, to be, as the Bible calls, born again in your spirit. Yes, your ticket to heaven gets punched, but there's so much more to it. If you're here this morning, you need prayer for anything else. We want to pray with you as we close out with song. If it's a physical healing, an emotional healing, whatever it might be, and let's all together as a body of Christ march towards spiritual maturity.